Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Today on the Charlie Kirk Show, we have the hardest working man in television. He's the co-host of Fox & Friends from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., hosts a national radio show. He's a New York Times bestselling author. And he's just has such great insight into what's happening. You guys are not going to want to miss this conversation. He makes some points about Michael Flynn, makes some points about Donald Trump that I have not heard anyone else make. It is an amazing conversation with none other than Brian Kilmeade. Before we get started, please email me your thoughts so that I can ask our guests the questions that you guys have. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Make sure you subscribe to The Charlie Kirk Show by typing in Charlie Kirk Show to your podcast provider. We're also on Spotify. Make sure that subscribe button is hit. Give us those five-star reviews. And if you guys want to help advance The Charlie Kirk Show and fight for freedom, take your friend's phone and make sure they are also subscribed to The Charlie Kirk Show. You're going to enjoy this episode, everybody. Buckle up. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. I'm so honored to be joined by a good friend of mine and total patriot of our country, Brian Kilmeade. For those of you that are early risers and watch the Fox News channel, he is a co-host of Fox and & Friends, and he also hosts one of my favorite radio programs that is Straight News uh, and has some amazing guests. Uh, he has more energy than anyone I've seen on television, and he is the author of this incredible book, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Every time I poke through it, I learn something new. And congratulations, Brian, on the success of this book. It is now out in paper bo- uh, paperback. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book for those people that are watching and listening to this that haven't had a chance to get it yet. And also tell us about the success of the book. This has been, boy, you've done yeah. really, really well with this. Yeah, I mean, I found out you let me speak to your group uh, a while ago. I think it was Thomas Jefferson or Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans. I had a chance to go down and visit you in Florida uh, when we were actually allowed to go to restaurants and beaches and not get fined for opening up salons. Um, but with uh, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, I want to do something would be somewhat next in line. And I also wanted to, I got the idea, too, because Andrew Jackson mentored Sam Houston. At 21 years old, he was fighting in the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. And I thought to myself, I could do this like a Rocky movie. You know how Rockies always begin the next Rocky by flashing back to the previous Rocky? Yeah, sure. I could open it up with Sam Houston fighting on Andrew Jackson and then bring it to the Texas Revolution and what I tried to do in this is let everybody know the Texas story is an American story. I don't know. Where did you grow up, Charlie? Uh, the suburbs of Chicago. All right. So, you know, I probably got two days at the Alamo in, in social studies. In, in Texas, they teach it in 
third grade, in seventh grade, in 11th grade. And therefore, they got this pride, this Lone Star pride. And I thought, I don't really think I should do Texas because it's really a Texas story. But it isn't. I mean, all Americans were fighting in it. It's an unfathomable victory. And this, there's so much more than just the Alamo. So I was able to see how Sam Houston evolved as a person. I mean, he was a lazy kid. He dropped out of school. Uh, his parents, uh, his dad died young. He was a guy that was asked to work the farm. He wasn't too good at it. He asked to work the store. He wasn't too good at it. He has to go to school. He used to cut out and read his own uh, his own books on his own. And then he just went to live with Cherokee Indians. And I go, okay, this is going to be a story people can relate to because it shows somebody who evolved. He got a little bit older. He started making great strides, but drank too much. You know, got a controversy as governor of Tennessee, lost the job. Uh, beat another lawmaker. We can understand that. Uh, only, you know, beat him senseless with, with, his, with his hands and this walking cane that he had. And he got censored by Congress. And then he did a fresh start, goes to Texas, uh, puts together an army, and they were able to uh, avenge the Alamo loss at the Battle of San Jacinto. And they beat the standing army of Mexico of uh, between three and 5,000 people with half that force in 17 minutes. Wow. Finished them off in two hours. And what I added to in the paperback was, okay, you got to add some more information. You'll know that. You know that. And what I wanted to do is flash forward to his interaction with Lincoln. Lincoln said, you know, um, Sam Houston said, don't go into the, don't fight for the Confederacy, Texas. Don't go in. We're going to lose hundreds of thousands of people. We're going to lose the war. He tried to keep Texas out of it. When he got outvoted, uh, he decided to quit rather than lead Texas. So Abraham Lincoln heard about that and said, Sam, if you could come back, wrote him two letters, I'll give you 50,000 troops, just keep Texas out of this war. Houston thought about it for a couple of days, threw the, uh, threw the letters into the fire and said, I'm too old. I can't turn my guns on fellow Texans. I'm going to my farm. And he ended up dying in 1865, seeing his country torn apart. Little did he know we'd come back together stronger. Wow. So, so Brian, looking at that period of history, um, it's, always, it's always interesting to say, what if? What if they wouldn't have avenged the, the loss? What would America look like today? And it took a remarkable amount of courage to mount that kind of counteroffensive against, as you said, the standing Mexican army. And so, so, Brian, what are some lessons that we can apply to today's news cycle, everything that we're going through right now from this terrific book uh, that we might be able to learn from or uh, be able to gain some wisdom? Great question. And here's what I would learn from this. It's got to, you got to have courage, but it's got to be calculated. You can't look to punch everybody in the mouth that insults you. You got to pick your points. At 21 years old, he's fearless. He's going over the wall, getting shot at. He got shot three times. He was so shot up. They said, let's not torture this guy by trying to take the bullets out. Let's just let him die. And he ended up surviving and living. Number two, he understood very early how fragile our democracy was and our country was. Because as he goes to recover in the War of 1812, when he got shot in 1814, he gets stationed in Washington. And what's left of Washington? Nothing. The British burned it to the ground. And he said, wow, we built this beautiful Congress. You know, we had this great house, this great White House. And it almost ended if we didn't have a series of great victories uh, culminating in the Battle of New Orleans uh, after they signed the peace treaty, which they would have, uh, you know, negated anyway. And he said, wow, we got to, courage has got to be calculated. And, and America cannot be, take itself for granted because it could all end tomorrow. And that's why he was so determined to not have the Civil War 
he saw the whole thing fracturing again. His mentor, and you know all this, uh, his mentor, Andrew Jackson, was president when South Carolina goes, excuse me, I think I'm going to leave. And Jackson says, no, you're not. He sent troops in there to make sure they didn't. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, he didn't have to attack his hometown, his home state. And that's just to show you. He said him and Jackson used to talk all the time. Now, how do we keep this thing together, this free state slave thing? How do we dissolve slavery out of the Union? And he used to sit on his porch with James K. Polk, uh, with Martin Van Buren, uh, with Buchanan, failed president, and, um, and of course, Andrew Jackson used to sit in the hermitage. And they used to talk about the future of the country. So those are the things I glean from them. They just, they, they're great people, but they're human. You eat Jackson, you're in awe, but you're not, you know he's not perfect. Lincoln didn't start, you know, Lincoln's unfathomable rise and his greatness has been written about more than any other president. There's nothing I could ever tell you new about that. But not many people looked at Lincoln and said, this guy is the best we got. He rose to the occasion once in office. I guess you could say the same thing about Truman. They said, oh, my goodness, who, who picked Truman? He ends up rising to the occasion uh, at a time in which we needed him most. And, of course, Lincoln and Truman are two, two, two Midwestern presidents who came up in very uh, humble and noble, be uh, I should say humble beginnings, and ended up having a noble uh, path towards power. And Lincoln especially, and you write about, I think you wrote about this in one of your previous books, uh, I know you touch on Lincoln in, in this book in some ways, as you just mentioned, um, but Lincoln was not a master politician to begin with. He lost a lot of his beginning races um, and then almost stumbled backwards. Uh, of course, he ran up against Douglas uh, for the congressional seat or might have been the Senate seat in Illinois and then, of course, ascended to the yeah. presidency. Um, so, everyone, please, we want to congratulate you again, Brian, on the success of this yeah, book. thank you. It's now out in paper book at the airing of this podcast. It'll be just about available to order it and get it delivered. Um, New York Times bestseller, um, that's hard to do, uh, especially uh, in, the, in the category that you're in. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker to blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day, all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device to join today for a new welcome bonus. That's visit betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code podcast one for your sign up bonus. Bet online is the place to go. You visit the website on your mobile device. Again, I miss the NFL. College football is coming up. Go Ducks. Oregon should have a great season. I'm so disappointed. The tyrannical governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, says, I can't even go see the Ducks play the Bucks on September 12th or 10th or right on that weekend. I'm upset about it, but I guess what? You got to be involved with Bet Online so that you're in on the action. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses of the business. I can't wait for sports to get back. This is the place to maximize that. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. Um, any other thoughts on this book before we shift to current events, Brian, that you want to touch on lessons or things that you really want to make sure you communicate uh, to the broader audience? Number two, uh, the, the, the bigger story is this. I don't need a pre I don't think America needs a press release, but I just think you owe it as a parent and as a student to learn about your country. And I'm not there to mesmerize you with great tales. Uh, John Meacham and David McCullough and countless others, Douglas Brinkley, will always write better and more thorough books than I'm going to do. 
but I'm just trying to give you one slice of American story so you can answer something that you have no problem answering. And that is, are we an exceptional nation? Yes, because we're not perfect. It doesn't mean we're not the, we, we're not the envy of the world. And it doesn't mean that we haven't made this world a better place because we existed. That's my final thought on that. Yeah, I always say America has made mistakes, but America is not a mistake. America's flaws are universal, but its virtues and its successes are unique. So, for example, every single civilization and country had slavery, but it was America's ability to condemn it, fight against it, and then move past it, which made it quite exceptional and quite unique. And, and Brian, I love your books. I love the George Washington Secret Six. Is that the name of it? Yeah, yes. George Washington Thanks. Secret Six and then the Battle of New Orleans. I always learn a lot, and I tell people to know the road ahead, ask those coming back, and you make it very easy to understand. Lots of pictures. I'm a picture guy. I like to be able to see the diagrams, maps. and you have them, the maps. It's interactive. It's, not, uh, it's short, choppy vignettes almost within it uh, that make it as if you can almost watch it like a Netflix series. So everyone check it out. Uh, Brian, you worked really hard on this, and congratulations again on the success. Thanks. So this morning you interviewed the President of the United States, Brian. Uh, yeah. We were saying before this interview, he was in some of the highest spirits I have heard him it wasn't an, a video interview. It was him on the phone. Um, but just based on the uh, the octave of his voice and the timber and the pace he was talking about, he seemed to be in great spirits. What was your interpretation with that, Brian? You've interviewed him multiple times now, both as a businessman, candidate, and now as president. Uh, what was your take on that? No question. Uh, the, mo- the highest and most upbeat he's been, even when I got, we got to interview him before the inaugural, I think two days, a couple of days before the inaugural. Or, or maybe it was the State of the Union, I forgot. And the Russia thing was churning about then. And I remember saying to myself, wow, I wish they'd just give him a day. You know, give him a day, a week without controversy. Remember, the interim period was all about Russia. And you just felt like people, the one thing about the president, we all have our hot buttons, not Charlie Kirk, but we all have our hot buttons where if someone says something to you, you go, oh, you know, that's my weakness. If someone says X, Y, and Z, for the president, my humble opinion, I would trust you or Don Jr. more is uh, illegitimate. If they think he didn't deserve it, doesn't get it, didn't, didn't earn it. And that's his hot button. And here he is, pulls off the most unfathomable victory in the history of American politics, and they don't even acknowledge it. They said he must have cheated. The Electoral College is not going to report. Uh, you know, uh, well, we, the popular vote really should be the deciding factor in America. Uh, the Russians infiltrated the election. Uh, if it wasn't for Jill Stein, I think that's her name, uh, you know, she wouldn't, he wouldn't have been it. What are you talking about? What about those crazy ballots in Michigan? Wait a second. He outworked her. He did this. So they never even gave, they never even disputed his policies. At least they waited for Bush to roll out No Child Left Behind before they got on him, you know? And there was a controversy with one state in Florida with 500 votes. They gave Bush... Uh, more room than they gave Trump. And with the controversies, and I don't have to relate it to you or probably your audience, but he gets it. They challenge the Electoral College. Remember, the Electoral College is going to report. The Russian investigation to the Russian, uh, to the Mueller report. The Mueller report ends one month later, late August. In comes the Ukrainian call. Then comes the impeachment. Through the holidays comes the impeachment. As soon as that's done, through no fault of his own, in comes the pandemic. And I'm just going to say, if it's a Democrat in the future, you hold me to this. 
I will not support any impeachment movement for a sitting president over policy ever. I will never support it because you watch with Clinton in, in the late 90s. He just totally took his eye off the ball of any al-Qaeda threat. He, it affected his policy because it would have been wagging the dog. And we watched al-Qaeda metastasize. He didn't take a shot in Sudan. He let him land in Afghanistan because he was obsessed with surviving through impeachment. He ends up with higher numbers. America ends up totally vulnerable. The next president was handed a hand grenade. And even in retrospect, Clinton says, I was so obsessed with impeachment. And Trump said to Bill Muir on Sunday, Charlie, they said, you know, Mr. President, you said the cupboard was bare. But what did you do to fill it up? And he goes, you know what? I've been busy with the Mueller report and the Ukraine. He's being honest. I mean, how do you get your head around the fact that someone's trying to throw you out of office? Yeah, they're, they're, Brian, there's some great wisdom there. Number one, I totally agree with you that the president feels as if his candidacy has been invalidated by the narrative of the media. They never gave him the recognition that he felt he deserved. And I agree he did deserve that recognition because he did do more rallies than Hillary Clinton. He did have a unique messaging campaign. He did run on a set of issues that were outside of the Republican mainstream. And the president basically is like, will you community of people that I've been watching my whole life, the newspapers that I've had delivered to my desk every single morning at Trump Tower, can you just say one day, one nice thing about me, please? Can you just acknowledge that maybe I communicated something that is worthy of your respect? And instead, they created this Russia narrative. And now more than any other time in his presidency, it has completely unraveled. In fact, it's not just that. It's exoneration and vindication for almost, you could say, patient zero of the Russia investigation, which was Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, that began a lot of these investigations. Point number two that you made here, Brian, that I think is very interesting, and I want to I get into this because it, that chapter of history where we began impeachments is only a couple decades removed from your book with the first president to be impeached, Andrew Johnson, post civil war, which you're making the argument how we are in America, impeachment actually threatens our national security. Impeachment is so consuming. Impeachment can be so partisan. It is so psychologically and spiritually and physically tolling on the individual where you have attorneys and you have media narratives that you are going to miss something on the intelligence briefing, that you're not going to be able to think clearly. Is that what you're saying, Brian? And also in a historical yeah. context, do you feel as if that, I mean, going kind of to connect the Andrew Johnson to the Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton and the Donald Trump impeachment, kind of tying it all together, together, is that the kind of argument you're making? It's also in defiance of what the founders envisioned as impeachment. A couple of things. Clinton, more Clinton. I, I mean, if you look at Watergate in the big picture, um, I would love a life without um, Carl Bernstein. I'd love a world without a famous Carl Bernstein. I think he's an arrogant jerk. Um, and he has lived off what he did in the 1970s since. You could argue, you know, Nixon was en route to being a very successful second-term president, and that ended up being, you know, thrown out of office. We know it was a different time. Most of all, what I'm saying, in Andrew Johnson's case, he was a raging racist, and I believe that if anybody was going to be tossed out for, an unre for reasons, it would have helped America for him to go. But I'll give you an example. I remember the President Trump said, I want to meet with al-Sisi. And he said, Donald, I love talking to you, but are you even going to be here? I hear things are really bad over there in terms of his impeachment. John Kerry talking to other world leaders saying Trump's not going to last. Now, let's forget about domestic politics. 
if you're sitting eye to eye with Merkel, if you're standing eye to eye with President Xi of China, they're looking back at you going, I see your poll numbers. I see what's happening there. I get CNN. I see that you have no public support. I see that impeachment's very possible. You weren't that popular. You're not going to be, if you last it, you're never going to get reelected. Why am I all in with you? So it hurts us internationally. What Bill Clinton's case is, Bill Clinton's case is not only embarrassing for the country, but he was, his foreign policy just tanked. And at least I would have loved to have the shot to stop 9-11. And I remember in 2000, reading the Wall Street Journal, uh, the year 2000, and Clinton said, I knew he had a shot at bin Laden in Afghanistan, and he didn't take it. And he said, because I was concerned that people were saying it's going to be a legacy shot. And I was looking to black out impeachment on my record and take a shot. And there was two. And I mean, wait a second. Obviously, it would have been infinitely better for Clinton to take a shot in 2000. But his thinking is trying to black out his legacy and black out Monica Lewinsky. So he didn't take it. And then we end up nine months later with 9-11. Well, and also, Brian, it can change the decision making matrix for a president. So, for example, if there was a legitimate national security threat in Ukraine right now, maybe because of Russian interests or Middle Eastern interests, what if the president makes a different decision because he doesn't want to be impeached over it? He doesn't want to be investigated over it. Absolutely. So it it, all of a sudden the priorities and you can't possibly blame the individual that's put in the crossfire of that because of all the heat and all the investigations around it. And so, Brian, I agree with you. I think absent of absolute horrific corruption or the total abuse of power that is so high on the Richter scale of corruption, I agree. I don't think impeachment, regardless of the president, should become an option because it does it does obfuscate the president's decision making and also reprioritize what actually matters. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. They're incredible. Mr. Producer right now is wearing them. He's so happy. The Raycons are the way to go. No wires, no tangling. You can exercise easier and they're cheaper than the other competitors. The everyday E25 earbuds are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or listening to the Charlie Kirk show. Whatever you need, Raycon can deliver it. Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. You've heard me talk about how a company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Cardi B. They're obsessed with Raycon, so pick up a pair right now and see what it's all about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com. That's buyraycon.com. So, Brian, I want to ask you about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. This is something that really bothers me on a fundamental level, how he was treated by the, ju- by the Justice Department, by Bob Mueller. What are you hearing about even more documents that might be released? Just from a strictly news analysis standpoint, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? And what do you, how do you see this all playing out in the coming weeks and months? Have you met him? I have met Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, and he was gracious and he was humble and one of the nicest gentlemen I've had an opportunity to meet. He, um, he's one of those guys. He's like uh, Pat. 
you know, and plus he's, I mean, he's like a triathlete too. He's in unbelievable shape. Read his book. Well, he, Brett got the first interview. I think we got the second or third interview. And then he kept coming back, even before he hooked up with President Trump, before the election. And you get to meet him, you read his book, and you know to bring up treason or Russia. If you read his book, you know how he feels against Russia. If Russia's doing a deep dive on who's going to be stabbing him in the back, if they do bring him in, it would be Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He would never clear any background. He was invited over there, like all former generals, for an event. He was seated, I think, with it might have been Jill Stein or somebody else at the same table. They say he visited Russia. Bill Clinton visited Russia. Does that mean, I mean, it's a crazy analogy that they're making in other channels. So did Ronald but, Reagan. I mean, it's, an, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's a ridiculous accusation. It's, it's, and it's an insult to people that have a brain. So you have a, you have a guy, and I believe this is what's going to come out. As much as people want to say they got rid of Flynn to get to Trump, I believe they want to get rid of Flynn. And here's why. If you look at if you know McChrystal, you know Petraeus, and you know Tommy Franks, and you know, um, um, you know Mattis, these are the greatest generals, most lauded generals of this generation. But Michael Flynn's right there. McChrystal had to have Flynn. When McChrystal got hired by Obama, he goes, I need Flynn. When he had to go and take out Zarqawi in Iraq during the surge, Petraeus and McChrystal wanted Flynn. Why? Because he would go face to face with these Iraqi insurgents, try to unwind their line of thinking and try to find the next cell. And then he'd sit there on the ground and devise a strategy to get guys, this guy that's worse than bin Laden, because he's a brutal killer in Zarqawi. He devises a plot, he devises a plot, and he, uh, um, and he ends up taking him out. He goes ahead and, and steers the surge to success. So he, at the same time, got so much respect, Obama turns around and goes, I need somebody to run the DIA. Okay, I'm going to have this guy, Michael Flynn, he comes highly recommended. Well, he goes in there and he says, okay, I'm getting rid of the dead weight, and we're going to make sure the president gets the best intelligence. And then he finds out that CENTCOM is, has one brand of intelligence. By the time he gets to the president's daily brief, it's sanitized and changed. He puts his hand up and says, the president's not being served, starts ripping the cover off everything, turning the tables over. Then he says, uh, Mr. President, I just heard your speech about Afghanistan. The only way to win is X, Y, and Z. The president's like, no, I'm already pulling people out. Then we're going to need 40,000 troops, and I'm only going to give you 30,000. He's like, it's a big mistake. Oh, he goes, uh, Mr. President, you just made a speech about al-Qaeda killing bin Laden, and they're on the run. They've metastasized all through Africa, and they've, re they've formed this thing called ISIS in the middle. The president's like, it's no big deal. It gives that JV comment. He was 100% right. And the Iranian deal you're writing, please tell me you're not going to sign it. Well, that was the it. Fired in two years, gone. Guess what? He gets on television and says all that with us, with anybody that wants to put him on. Continues to needle him, continues to pound him. So when he gets the job, they're probably thinking, in my humble opinion, and by the time this airs or we they double click on Charlie Kirk's podcast, we'll know the answer to this. They probably say, not only is Donald Trump taking over, he's going to put the guy in that wants to undo all my policies. I bet you I can get him, you know? I bet you he's such a wild card. I bet you I can lure him in. And they do. I think they wanted to get rid of, of um, Flynn because they didn't want it like a lethal guy watching Trump's back. But I actually think they want to get rid of Flynn. The fact that Obama brings up two people when Trump and Flynn meet, he talks about the North Korea leader, the crazy one, Kim Jong-un, we now know, all know. And he talks about Michael Flynn. Come on. That's an obsession with a... You, an employee that you fired, 
that you know will undo everything you did. Now, a lot of people think he's there. to They just want to get him out of the way to get closer to Trump. That's fine. That's just my opinion. Well, and Brian, I'm, I'm taking notes here because you just made some points that I haven't heard articulated as well as you put that all together, which is I tend to agree with you that, of course, Trump is part of the equation. But Michael Flynn was one of the outliers that continually got in the way of Barack Obama's, I think, failed foreign policy and his worldview to make America weaker and to make our greatest enemies at least treated with more fairness than they ever deserved. It was Michael Flynn who challenged the Afghanistan retreat and withdrawal. It was Michael Flynn who tried to insert himself in the JCPOA, as you said, the Iran deal. And this is the guy that if he was allowed to stay around Trump for another six or nine months in the White House on the National Security Council, he would have unraveled a lot of the unmasking and a lot of the FISA abuse way more efficiently and quicker without a lot of the noise and the mirage of this Russia nonsense. And so Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, this idea that he was a Russian agent or he colluded with Russia was never rooted in facts. And now these documents show exactly that, that it was fabricated, that it was completely and totally artificial. And so, Brian, you know the national security space very, very well. You follow it. You understand, you know, the complexities of geopolitics. Where does it go from here, though? Where where does this eventually kind of close the loop. Can we finally hold Barack Obama and Sally Yates and these people accountable? Because it's reasonable to say that they were informed at the targeting of our criminal justice system towards Trump and, of course, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Okay. Um, Possibly. And here's why I think it's possible. Remember, no one talks about this. Barack Obama had a private email conversation with Hillary Clinton. And it looks as though Hillary Clinton knew all about, and so did, um, uh, so did some key members of the Obama administration, knew all about the dossier. Might have played a hands-on role, even though she uh, pled naivete to the whole thing. And then if you think that Barack Obama, fearing that his hands, you know, that Trump had a shot at winning, might have gone on the offensive, especially after he win, after uh, Trump wins in November. You have to suspend logic to think that he wouldn't know what's going on. Nobody thinks that people were putting something over on Barack Obama like they said that sometimes Reagan staff did on him. You know, he was a little older. Reagan didn't want to be that hands-on. I've never heard Barack Obama described as a president as someone who didn't really know what was going on, Mm -hmm. ever. And by the way, to Joe Biden's credit, he was in on the stimulus package. He was in control of it, obviously, the Ukrainian policy. He was liaison to Congress. No one ever said that Joe Biden wasn't looped in, let's say, like out, uh, Dan Quayle was, was told he was really not doing much as vice president to uh, Bush 41. So I'm not going to jump ahead and say Barack Obama was behind it. But if, we, if, we're, if we're talking again in, in a month or two weeks and things go directly back to him, let's say I'll be one of the least surprised. I want to share with you a new partner we have on The Charlie Kirk Show. We are so thrilled about this partner, PCmatic. I have used this product. They are off the charts. So PCmatic, here's what they do. They protect Windows computers, including XP, Vista, Windows 7, 8, and 10, Windows servers. They also protect Macs and Androids, phones, and tablets away from hackers. And they stop modern threats like ransomware. They are a next-generation antivirus 
protector. They are your shield. They are, we say build the wall. PCmatic is the wall for your computer. Only PCmatic has American research, development, and support. PCmatic's, all their competition is made by foreign countries. That's where the viruses originate. You want an America first. You want an American-made wall for your computer. That's PCmatic. They block annoying and malicious ads for hassle-free web browsing and makes your computers faster and more reliable even after years of use. PCmatic, it's only $50. Unbelievable. $50 for five devices for one year for a 30-day money-back guarantee. I know the ownership. I know the management of PCmatic. They will protect your computer from foreign actors that want to get your credit card information, your private information, your emails, your photos, all of it. So here's all you got to do. You go to PCmatic.com slash Charlie. Again, build the wall, fortify your computer for just $50 for five devices. It's PCmatic.com slash Charlie. World-class security, American research development support, all the other competitors, all the people that want your business for this, they're foreign. Buy American, support America, PCmatic.com slash Charlie. Well, and Brian, in the closing minutes we have here, and thank you for being generous with your time, one thing that was just so stunning to me, and there's a quote that basically says evil will always reveal itself. And it was, it was immoral and evil what they did to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. But just Entrapment 101, why would you make a note of exactly what – I mean the fact that they wrote it down, Brian, they said, oh, our goal is to get him to do this or to us to go in to do this, the complete and total admission. And then, Brian, the last thing I'll ask is this is – what is the breaking point for the media to finally be fair here? Because even at this point, the media is saying, oh, the Justice Department has run rampant. The Justice Department. I mean, what is it going to take for them finally to admit that, you know what, this has been pushed too far? I don't, I don't you know what? I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't think you can get on television on MSNBC and you can get on television on CNN and stay on TV. They will sign a Jonathan Turley, but they won't use him. They will sign a Congressman Duffy, but they won't use him. Uh, If they sign a Chris Christie, they won't use him because he puts over a strong argument. They don't want their host beaten in these arguments. They want eight on one. They think they have have two Republicans, both hate Trump, and the third one likes Trump. And if he or she is too good, they don't book him again. I don't know if there's a conversion or if they're going to change, if it becomes so overwhelming, they're just going to change the subject. The one thing is when uh, when Trump's on a roll and talk about the economy, they don't even put up the stock. They don't even put up the stock, uh, uh, the stock ticker on their shows. Now that the unemployment's up there and the death toll is rising, it never leaves the screen. And they know they have an international feed and the whole world's watching and they have a total irresponsibility to it, especially on CNN's case. So I don't know if they'll ever be converted. Um. It'll take some courageous people just to say, I can't go along with the counter-narrative anymore. I don't feel comfortable with it. Um, in the military community, too. they I mean, where were the people, even though he got a lot of support, he didn't get nearly as much support as I thought he would, Michael Flynn, where I think even Petraeus got more support when he got uh, tossed out of the CIA. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know if anything changes. I think it's a it's a sprint to the next eight months. And if the president gets the other four years... I think there'll be a window of you want to reset on this. There might be a window. But if you look at that guy, Jeff Zucker, I've only met a couple of times and he seems like a total jerk. If you look at him, there's a chance he's moved out of CNN. Until he's moved out, 
I cannot see a scenario where Wolf Blitzer comes on and says, "What a you know, what an election win for President Trump." I mean, I could see them going to the history of the '80s if Trump is to win in November. So um, I don't know. I don't know what changes because I just flipped on before I came here. I flipped on to watch MSNBC and I saw Michael Steele, the former chairman of the RNC. He's outraged that justice has been suspended because the attorney general has kowtowed to Donald Trump and has done exactly what he asked. I mean, That's, I, it's Michael Steele. And I, I, I know Michael and I thought I think of him as a smart guy. I don't know what would what would propel him to say something like that. But that's a that's an extended over and over again, screaming it, by the way. It's just so I mean, as if we don't have exculpatory evidence right in front of us. It's it's really incredible. Brian, congratulations on the success of the book. Everyone check it out. It's now in paper book. It's obviously been out in hardcover for a while. Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Brian, your analysis is cutting edge. And again, you put in more hours than everyone else. Last, last thing, Brian, tell our audience what time you wake up every day. 2.30. 2.30 in the morning. 2.30 in the morning. Hardest working guy in television. Hardest working guy in television and it shows. God bless you, Brian. Thanks for joining uh, the Charlie Show. Congratulations on all your success. I know you'll be running for president soon. No, no, no. In a few years, when you get eligible, you'll be there. I don't think so. All right. Thanks, Brian. God bless you. What a great episode that was, everybody. Email us your thoughts, freedom at charliekirk.com. And right now, if you are a student, get involved with Turning Point USA. Take out your phone, go to tpusa.com, get involved right there. You can start a chapter. You can organize with fellow students. You're an adult chipping some money. Get engaged, get involved for the fight for freedom, for liberty, and American exceptionalism, tpusa.com. Email us your thoughts, freedom at charliekirk.com. Subscribe to the Charlie Kirk Show. Type in Charlie Kirk Show, your podcast provider. Hit subscribe and give us those five-star reviews. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. God bless. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.